Well, hello, race fans. Welcome to a new edition of our EKN Debrief. It is our post-event report podcast today, episode number 124. It's Tuesday, February the 6th. Uh, we're talking about the opening rounds of the 2024 Challenge of the Americas. Myself, Rob Howden, and David Cole will join me here on the show. We're at Muscleman Honda Cir- uh, Circuit in Tucson, Arizona this past weekend. Great racing for sure. Actually, the weather on Saturday Sunday, fantastic as well. Let's dive into this thing right now by talking about the week's uh, presenting sponsor, Perilin USA. It all started in 1994 when former kart driver Albino Perilin decided to move his passion from karting uh, from the track to his small workshop. That's when Perilin was born. Perilin USA is North America's source for Perilin products, and we run a factory team at all the major Supercarts USA, USPKS, and Rock Cup USA events. The Perilin chassis lineup includes the Invader Shifter, the Le Mans Tag Single Speed Chassis for junior and uh, senior drivers, the 20mm Opportunity Model for cadet classes, and the Daytona 4-Cycle Chassis. Get on the chassis that's winning. Drive a Perlin. For more information, head to perlinusa.com. All right, DC, let's jump into this thing. A great weekend in Tucson. Some fantastic racing. Uh, the event, of course, uh, the opening round of the Challenge of the Americas, February 2nd to 4th. Muscleman Honda Circuit. Good to get the, uh, the new season underway on the West Coast. Season is underway on the West Coast, and it was a chilly start. It was a wet start as well, too. Rain and hail in Tucson, Arizona. You wouldn't think <laughs> right? about that. It was uh, We've seen frozen engines because of cold temperatures, but never uh, rain and hail. It's the first time we've ever seen that there. So it was uh, it was probably the, one of the weirdest Fridays that we've ever had uh, with, with uh, that combination of weather along with the colder temperatures. Uh, thankfully, it got warmer uh, throughout the rest of the weekend. A little bit windy on Sunday, kept the jackets on while the sun was out for, for all of the day. Uh, clouds still kind of rolled in, kept it chilly uh, with the wind going. And then Sunday, certainly much warmer. Uh, t-shirts and shorts were, were available <laughs> on that day. Yeah, it was essentially uh, like 56, I think, was the high on Saturday. Thankfully, you said we had that wind and rain and hail on Friday on and off. Uh, but the sun came out on both Saturday and Sunday, about 56 is a high on Saturday. 10 degrees warmer on Sunday, up to about 66, 67 at one point. But as you said, the wind was up a little more. Uh, again, it is the 17th season of this fantastic series, the Challenge of the Americas, opening two rounds, uh, what we're calling T1 and then T2, of course, in March, back-to-back weekends at Tucson. Uh, we went clockwise. Uh, we went count. No, we went clockwise this time. We're going to go counterclockwise, the more traditional layout next time. Uh, David, let's go by the numbers here before we wrap up the first segment of this edition of the debrief and, and, and a little deeper by the numbers than we normally do, David, because the category or the, the, the challenge kind of has opened things up. Last year, the 100cc categories for both IAMI and Vortex, even though it was a Rock Cup series, this year as an independent series opening essentially the engines up for all six categories. Yeah, cadet welcoming IAMI. So uh, both 60cc engines allowed in that category. And then in the shifter divisions, opening it up to the KZ platform as well too. So multiple engine format for all categories. Um, And again, 114 total entries on the weekend. Uh, A little bit lower than what we expected. Uh, certainly some drivers who uh, did not show up and, and not the walk-ups that we were expecting as well, too. So mixed bag there. We did get the 30 number for junior and senior. So if we continue that, that those two categories will have a bonus 
uh, championship prize purse uh, when it comes to Sonoma. So it's got to average that 30 mark. So hopefully we'll, we'll be able to see 30 return again in Tucson. And then we'll, we'll probably get a little bit of a Sonoma bump uh, when we, for those categories, especially. Yeah, and, um, and shout out to P1 Engines and, and Jesus Vasquez as well for jumping on board with that program. Correct. And yeah, so that that was good for that. Um, you know, and then we saw increase in, in this in the cadet division up to 13 from years past where we've been just barely into the double digits this time we saw 13. So great to see that. And then a total of 29 shifters on the weekend, 12 in masters and 17 in seniors. So one of the big, the biggest uh, shifter fields that we've seen on this on the year so far. So I, I mentioned going deeper into the numbers because it's an open uh, category. David, you actually went, uh, you know, up and down the grids to figure out who was on what. So let's talk a little bit about this about the difference between the drivers on IAMI power plants and on Vortex power plants. And this was all based on Saturday because, as we found out, drivers were submitting two different brand of engines uh, to be um, uh, declared. Uh, on the weekend, some changing actually on Sunday. So we'll get more into that and in, in some of the breakdowns of the categories. When you look at uh, Junior 100cc, every driver on the Vortex engine. So that's been kind of the consistent there. I think it's the way the uh, the restrictor, exhaust restrictor, header restrictor is on that engine. It just performs a lot better than the IAMI. So everybody's stuck with the Vortex thus far. Um, only two Vortex engines in the cadet division, 10 in the senior division. I think it ended up being about half uh, when we got all things wrapped up uh, on Saturday. And same with uh, only three in Masters 100cc. Um, I think a couple of drivers switched as well there too. So again, just drivers kind of trying to figure out what works best because again, this layout much different than what we've seen uh, you know, at Tucson in the past. And the track with a combination of the tires, especially in the 100cc categories, made the track pretty much flat out. I mean, you had, you know, you looked at the the onboard that we have on our YouTube page with KC Cook. There's not a lot of hard braking zones, really, to be honest, kind of yeah. just more of a flow um, with the with the racetrack and with the added extra grip that the, the Vega tires provide for these categories. Just... You know, it might it might end up being a you know vortex f focused, but we'll we'll kind of see when we go back the other direction. Whether I think it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge, um, we'll see. But again, tire combination, everything's kind of brand new. Uh, you get into shifter category, we had mo mostly the KZ power plants, uh, mostly TMs. Yeah. Uh, one IAMI in master shifter, and then four vo vortex as well. And then three IMEs in the senior shifter category with two Vortex engines. And we'll break those down again when we come to the shifter card categories when we get into uh, that segment here on the debrief. Let's get things underway. When we get back, we'll jump into the paddock pass, folks. Don't go anywhere. We are rolling here with episode 124 of the debrief. Fast, fair, and fun. Ignite Karting offers you all of that at an affordable price. Ignite Karting utilizes the spec Margay Ignite K3 with a Briggs & Stratton 206 engine and a Hoosier R80 tire. Everyone in the junior, senior, and master's classes compete on the same Ignite K3 chassis, which puts all the emphasis squarely on driver development. 
Additionally, Ignite Karting is accessible at the local, regional, and national level. Special events for the 2023 season include the Ignite Majors, which begins with the annual trip to the Daytona International Speedway as part of the WKA Daytona Kart Week as part of both the sprint and road racing events. Those in the Midwest can enjoy the regionally based Ignite Challenge, which just finished up a record-setting season in 2022. Local club programs have also been established in other states all across the country, from Idaho to Texas, Nebraska to New York, with more tracks and clubs joining the Ignite Karting program. Be part of fast fun and great memories with Margay Racing at an Ignite track near you. All information on Ignite events and Ignite Kart packages, including dealers in your area, are available at ignitekarting.com. Get off the couch and out onto the track in 2023. Ignite Karting, fuel your passion. Kometic Gasket is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for karting, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Kometic karting gaskets are available as OE replacement top end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Kometic can operate on the fly and has the unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Kometic's fiber materials are asbestos free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two cycle kit and Kometic's four cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Kometic can tailor to engine builder specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Kometic gaskets are must-haves for championship winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Kometic gasket, sealing championships since 1989. Welcome back to episode 124 of our EKN debrief where we take a deep dive as a race report into the event that we just were at david cole here and myself rob howden uh opening round of the challenge of the americas at muscle and honda circuit in tucson arizona we're going to dive in down to the paddock pass talked about a couple of cool things that were happening outside of the wheel to wheel action paddock pass today presented by rollison performance group at the rollison performance group we strive for ultimate success we're more than just an arrive and drive race team with countless wins on the national and regional level our focus is on complete driver development, and that's where our success is fueled. We combine one-on-one -on -one coaching, on-track instruction, and intensive data debriefing with unparalleled cart and engine prep. Our program will help you raise your game. We'll take you to the next level. If that's your goal, RPG needs to be your next move. Experience the Rawlison difference. All right, David, let's uh, jump into the paddock pass. Obviously, you know, a couple of the things that we do over track side is, you know, not just the stuff we do on the track, but we're also working around the paddock. There's a bunch of different things going on uh, in Tucson. Well, certainly going into the weekend was the new era of the challenge, including the program becoming independent from any other programs and welcoming the Vega tires. So that was kind of really the focus of the weekend. And we talked a little bit about it in the by the numbers uh, the Vega tires is brand new to the challenge coming in for 2024 using the Lecant or the Le Levanto tires with the rock program previously. And of course, with the uh, Rotac with Bridgestone, actually, too, I believe, with the um, 
uh, with the Rock Cup program when it first started with the challenge. And then, Mo, of course, Mojo during the Rotex year. So this is essentially the fourth different tire compound over the 17 seasons for the Challenge of the Americas. So that was kind of the focus. You know, some drivers getting their first taste of Vega tires, maybe not having to be able to test it. So uh, that was kind of the talk. And of course, you know, being the independent program that the Challenge has become now, um, you can think about it. It's even the off the track stuff that they've had to kind of regroup and refocus because yeah. they always had the rock cup USA rule book to kind of go off of. And now being an independent, they're utilizing the uh, NKA rule set and now having to go through and write um, supplemental rules for the series. So a lot of uh, homework has been done prior to the race weekend for Andy Saisman and his crew both on the racetrack, uh, you know, rule structure, off the racetrack, tech inspections, of course, as well. That's a little more easier with all the manufacturers having their rule packages in place and ready to go. So, uh, but still a lot of, uh, a lot of homework that was done uh, both for the staff and for competitors before getting to Tucson. Yeah, we've already talked about it, but man, we, you know, obviously the, the series threw a lot at the competitors this past weekend, you know, as we said, first and foremost being running in the reverse direction, right? That was, uh, again, a big part of this was the fact that, you know, Andy decided to go with two Tucson races and then capping off the uh, the program in Sonoma in April. So, you know, what do you do to shake things up? You don't want to just come back and go, you know, the same track, same direction twice, so the little the little flip flop back and forth, David. You talked about it early too. It was it was a I think a much more wide open racetrack, and I think it took a while, really more into Sunday, for people to really get a feel for where the best overtaking opportunities were. Well, a lot of that too is because practice uh, on Friday was, was essentially done. washed out. You yeah. know, I think they had maybe I think the Junior Hundred CC was the only category to really get on the racetrack as it with it being dry because we had rain overnight on Thursday, and then going so it had to dry up. Thursday up until the point of when we got there and hail and rain came down and essentially made it a, a wet racetrack through through the remainder of the day. So I think that had a lot to do with it is, again, drivers and competitors getting comfortable with the racetrack in the, in the clockwise direction. But also, I think just the way the tracks laid out it, I think it's it, you know, now that we've had a, a race weekend on it um, logistically, I don't think it works as well as the other direction. Uh, but I also think in, in competition wise, I think it there's still the passing opportunities, but I think they're a little bit more defined when we're going in the normal direction. So um, but logistically, it had, you know, had, there were some hiccups, had to figure out some things. And, you know, by Sunday, everything had worked out. But, um, yeah, Andy Saisman had to do what he had to do. You know, it's it's good to try that and give it a try. See like how it, it goes. Yep. And, you know, if it worked, if it worked better than what it was, you know, there's an opportunity to come back and they could still always come back and do it this way if they if the need be, um, if, if they want to keep changing up one year, this direction, one year, the normal direction, they could keep doing it that direction as well. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I think myself, my personal opinion, I think the feedback from a lot of the competitors was uh, the normal direction was the way to go. Uh, indeed, it, it'll again. They're going to be looking forward to more racing, likely when we get back there in uh, in March. But uh, again, I, you know, I was skeptical at the start, but then you know, when you looked at it, you could. We saw passes in turn one. We saw passes kind of in the kink turn three at the end of the long uphill back straight away. We had guys go to the inside of turn four, which I think was a very crucial part of the racetrack. That was kind of the, the right hand entry into the S's, which was important. Out of the S's into turn number eight, you can go to the inside there. We went to the inside nine, inside and 10, into the chicane. Of course, passes both inside and outside 
of, uh, of the final corner, turn 12, right? We had guys dive to the inside, but we also had a lot of over-unders, which gave us you know a couple of essentially photo finishes at the line. So all told, I was happy with the way things shook down, even though it was a brand new deal for us. I'll say this though, David, new tires, new track direction. Hey, we got a chance to see a new chassis this weekend too. That was a really cool part of the paddock pass. Yeah, it was. It was uh, news that came out in January with Forward Direction Motorsports bringing on the Pantano racing carts. Uh, so it made its U.S. debut this weekend uh, with Greg Welch being one of the drivers on it, along with a lot of his uh, team members and juniors and seniors uh, on the chassis as well, too. So it's a very unique chassis built in-house in Italy by a former junior world champion, uh, Giorgio Potano. Uh, actually used to race Formula One and IndyCar as well, too, with about, I think, a do- half a dozen uh, IndyCar starts back with the our, our No, I think it was late to I couldn't I can't remember now, but we looked it up because we were trying to figure out well, who is this name? Who is this well, guy? I, I knew who he was from his karting days, but I, I, you, you had mentioned the, the IRL stuff. And I was like, yeah, he did actually do some IRL racing. And you did. Yeah, we, we, we dove into that and had a look at it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, unique and in, 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 uh, not necessarily designed, but components, um, the way the, the seat struts are, they're essentially L brackets. That was one of the unique sides. So not tubular str- seat struts. They were, uh, essentially L struts. Um, that was unique. Um, and then some other components, they actually had to work with the factory to make sure that the, the hundred CC carts they're using here can be resold and used for, rigs and, and, and four cycle racing. So, um, it, the original designs were not, uh, would not allow for a four cycle engine to get on the, these chassis. So they, okay. they worked with the factory to make sure that, you know, once they're done on two cycle side of things, they can be resold for as used carts for, for Briggs racing in the, in wherever region, uh, they want to go. So, um, that was a unique aspect to it. And uh, good to see the, uh, you know, they're working, uh, obviously directly with the factory on that. And we'll see kind of how things change as, uh, you know, they get a racing season under their belts here with the, with the Vega tires and then, then whatever uh, programs they, uh, they utilize, what other tires they utilize at their club races. Well, there you have it folks. We just rolled through the, pra- the paddock pass brought to you by the Rollison performance group. When we get back for this next break, we'll dive into the race report. We'll talk senior shifter and hundred CC senior. Check out any major national karting event and what's the common thread? Speed Concepts Racing. Up front, in every class, every weekend. The Speed family has been at the forefront of American karting for over 25 years. And Speed Concepts Racing is the sole dedication of Father Mike Speed and his multi-time championship winning son, Alex Speed. This program is all about passion for the sport and a dedication to winning. They know how to get it done. If you're a senior driver ready to put yourself amongst the best in the country, Speed Concepts Racing is the program for you. We can win the big races. You just need to be in the seat. The Speed's program has delivered time over time in the junior classes as well, helping to elevate a long list of young drivers from mid-pack to potential race winners. Speed Concepts Racing has the perfect equation of coaching, driver development, and technical knowledge to elevate your program. Arrive and drive opportunities are available for the remainder of the 2023 season, and we're locking in seats for 2024 as well. If you're ready to take your career to the next level, contact Speed Concepts Racing through email at speedconceptsracing at gmail.com. History, success, family. 
Those are the three words that can describe Comet Kart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation located just outside of Indianapolis has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, continually adding new parts to their product line. From full karting packages, new engines, spare or replacement parts, and safety gear, find it all at CometCartSales.com. Their Comet Racing Engine service has won multiple major events and championships over decades of karting and continues to offer the best trackside service in the industry, specializing in IAMI X30, IAMI Swift, and other two-cycle power plants. Make sure to head to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. Welcome back to episode number 124 of our EKN uh, Debrief Podcast. We are breaking down this past weekend's opening rounds of the Challenge of the Americas. This show brought to you by Parallel USA. Time to jump into the race report. Six categories on the docket for today to go through a nice short, compact um, class lineup. Uh, the structure for the Challenge of the Americas. We'll get the race report underway. Brought to you by Factory Carts. Made in the USA, it's not just a statement. It's the mission at Factory Carts of America. Led by four-time supranational champion Billy Musgrave, Factory Carts manufactures their frames completely in-house at their Riverside, California facility. Built and designed from the ground up specifically for the American karting market, Factory Carts brings new innovations and solutions that are long overdue. No other karting manufacturer stands behind its product like Factory Carts does, providing a two-year warranty on all their frames. Learn more by visiting factorycarts.com or email Billy anytime at info at factorycarts.com. Okay, David, let's jump into this here right now. The first time you and I have been able to sit down and do a uh, debrief this year. I wasn't able to do the one in January. Still recovering from my lip surgery, but feeling good in the past weekend being on the mic all weekend long. As we do it, I will roll up the headline. You'll kind of fill in some of the information, and we'll talk after that. Starting off with Senior Shifter, presented by Sweet Tech Racing Engines. Here's the headline. Vasile and Wick split opening weekend. It's something about European drivers coming over and uh, and racing shifter carts here in the U.S. that uh, does really well. Mazzele was uh, a runner-up at the WSK Supermaster Series the weekend prior to coming over to the USA for Challenge of the Americas. Race Burrell Art there, racing with Italian Motors and the Etal Kart brand here, and was, <clears throat> excuse me, was certainly the, the driver to beat on Saturday. Went out, put fast time in qualifying, won the pre-final and essentially drove away to a 2.5 second margin of victory in the main event, leading all 20 laps for a dominant day uh, in Tucson. Yeah, it was really uh, such Italian Motors 1-2 on the day, right? Vazile and Boss Lammers were very good. Boss, uh, another driver, of course, coming over, the part of the Italian Motors. Boss, the driver we've seen many times come over to run the Supercarts USA Super National, so no stranger for those who've been around American karting for, for a numer numerous years. Class act, for sure, at the very end of the day, actually, on Sunday, took the time to ask me for the microphone because he wanted to thank everybody from the series. Uh, for being uh, so open and, you know, the hospitality. Uh, but, yeah, Vasily ended up winning uh, by 2.5 seconds on Saturday. Like you said, kind of settled in and pulled away. Lommers kind of was there for a bit and faded back a little bit. Kyle Wick, uh, again, that, that was it, David. There was a lot of GFCs. I think the GFCs were like third back to sixth, I think, with Wick, Gulick, and Pickett uh, all on the IAMI power plants for KZ. 
Wick just didn't have anything for the two ITAL cart guys on, on Saturday. And they really just dominated the action all day long. Yeah. You add in Ethan Boer there in the sixth spot. So you had GFC three, yeah. four, five, and six, and then more uh, further down in the field as well. So uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, we saw Wick after, after the day on Saturday, um, just, uh, you know, said he had to do some homework, he had to figure out, okay, where are we missing speed? Where do we need to get better? Uh, and Gulick going up to fourth, he actually overcame a disqualification and qualifying yeah. utilizing the wrong tires. So, uh, mistakenly put the wrong tires on for qualifying. So he had to come up through the pre-final and then eventually got up into the fourth spot, uh, in the main event. And, so, uh, and David consider the fact that he, that's 17 guys because the class was so big, he had started the tail of the field in that pre-main. So really impressive, I think, for, for Gulick to work his way back up to fourth. Yeah, because he had the pace to be up front with the leaders and and maybe might have been able to do a little bit of something, but uh, you know didn't quite ha- get all the way up there in the pre-final, so had to do the remaining positions in the main event. So yeah, it was a a good drive from the back on overall on the day from a, a, a pretty massive mistake uh, yeah. after, and going into qualifying. At that level of competition, you just can't do it, right? You're going to put yourself behind the eight ball. Now, you mentioned uh, us talking to Kyle Wick on Saturday. And he said, you know, we got work to do. We got to figure something out. And David, they came out of the gate on Sunday and mission accomplished. Yeah, certainly mission was accomplished. You know, he talked about maybe a little carburation, a little bit uh, understanding the tires, because again, this is a first race weekend that they've had this tire. And of course, rain on Friday, the tracks gripped up throughout the weekend, especially uh, towards the end of Saturday. So maybe some, a little bit of chassis change as well too, but they certainly did the homework. Wick was the quickest driver in qualifying, grabbed the whole shot in the pre-final win. And then same thing in the main event, grabbed the whole shot and led all 20 laps for what was a a solid victory. Uh, Early on, it was Vesely and Laumers battling for P2. So kind of gave Wick essentially maybe about a a one second advantage. And so we saw Vesely get into the second spot and close in but just wasn't quite able to get there. Tried to make a move there at the end, uh, coming to the white flag. Uh, But I think Wick saw it coming, was able to defend it pretty well. Uh, That slowed Daniel's pace out of the corner. So essentially the last lap, Wick kind of put it in cruise control and went on to uh, to take the victory. Yeah, Vazili was showing the nose in the final corner, turn twelve. He was doing that, uh, you know, that, that kind of dive bomb to the apex to see if he could shake up Wick a little bit. And Wick was unfazed and was able to get through uh, to get the win uh, again, not by much, just a little under six tenths of a second at the line, but it was enough to get it all done. As as Vazili really kind of came up near the end of the race, there, Lamers held on for third spot, but it was a pretty good battle further back. David, there's a, a group of drivers were all together. Uh, Keon Tannen was right in the middle of it. Gulick was right in the middle of it there was a, some really good racing in that kind of next group and then the next group after that i want to say like sixth on back i think like six to twelfth were like nose to tail all the way through the entire race it was super close racing yeah seventh through 13th was all nose to tail led by uh, david williams on the crg yeah uh yeah tandon really stepped up on sunday uh didn't quite have that pace on saturday but was right there he was actually on lamers and viselli uh, early on, but eventually kind of lost those two drivers as he and Gulick battled with uh, Alvincino. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, yeah, pretty good performance by Tandon just coming up just short of the podium. Indeed, good racing in our senior shifter category. Let's move now over to 100cc senior, equally as good. 30 drivers in the field that we knew it was going to be uh, pretty hectic, and it was on both Saturday and Sunday. Maybe not as hectic as 100cc junior. We'll talk about that later because those guys had their elbows up. 100cc senior presented by Forward Direction Motorsports. And here is your headline. Kaminsky and Martin 
gained first series victories. Yeah, the driver to beat early was Persing. Uh, Ryan Persing came out, laid down a good lap in qualifying to end the session P1. And it was he and uh, Nash Motorsports teammate Kane Martin that was really running one, two in the pre-final. And on the last lap, the two made contact. I mean, something you could, you should never be doing uh, is is making contact with your teammate. Unfortunately, person got the worst of it. He got shuffled down the order. Martin was able to, to kind of maintain position, but that allowed Jay, Josh Campbell to come in and steal the pre-final win. Uh, got into the main event and uh, the driver to watch was Keegan Kaminsky. Um, the kid was on a charge, got up to the second spot in the pre-final due to that contact. So was able to uh, take advantage from that uh, and led the majority of the race. Um, and then later in the race, just got away from all the fighting behind him, really uh, just kind of kept his cool being a senior rookie and uh, was able to pull off victory in his first senior race by a 1.6 second margin of victory. Uh, really just a, a calm, collected uh, race by him, not keep, keeping himself out of trouble and keeping himself out front. It was interesting for me. Like Keaton, once Keaton got up front, he got a little bit of a break. And the minute he had that bit of a gap, that's when everybody behind him started thinking, hey, well, hold on. We can't let this happen. They started racing hard with each other. And a couple of times it was dive bombs at the end of that back straightaway, like I said, through the kink, turn three, and then coming into the right-hander that leads into the S's. And then they would be dive bombing each other. And that just allowed Keegan to pull away. And he just put down lap after lap after lap at the end. And as we've seen in so many races, eventually the leader gets far enough away, the laps wind down enough that everybody realizes they're fighting for second. And that's essentially what happened, right? So he ends up winning by 1.6, as you said. Kay Martin coming home in second. Some great racing in there. Isaac Gutierrez on the GFC did, had a tremendous run. You mentioned he finished third. Josh Campbell on the LN cart finishing in the fourth spot. And Dylan Archer as well uh, on the comp cart for Forward Direction Motorsports was right in the fight. There was some really good racing up front in this one, David. And I'll give a shout out. Ryan Persing came from deep in the field, uh, started 19th, and I think he worked up to 7th. You probably have the results in front of you. I think it was 7th, something like that. Yep, 7th. For, for Persing from 19th. And who else did we follow coming up through the other forward direction motorsports driver who started deep in the field? Varney, Travis Varney. Yes, uh, finished. 23rd to what, 12th? 12th, yep, correct. Wow, okay. And let, so, so two good runs from guys that we normally see kind of running up front, right? Yeah, uh, Persing had quick lap of the race, uh, yeah. 52.4. And you look at the essentially the top 10, uh, Kaminsky was only about the eighth quickest driver in the wow. top 10. So again, just calm, cool, collected, knew what he had to do. And, and everything just kind of played in his favor, like you said, as they get, they got they got racing. And then they closed up back up on him. That, you know, I think it was DeLong that might have led a couple of laps. And then yep. Kaminsky got back to the front and they started fighting again. So he just kept his cool, knew that uh, the best way to stay out of trouble was out front and uh, paid off to get his first uh, senior victory. So and congrats, of course, to Keegan on that. Well done so, as a rookie senior. So well, let's roll then with Pearson, right? So he has this good run kind of coming from deeper in the field, you know, outside the top 20 or 19th he started. Ends up coming to seventh. Fast lap is the race, as you just mentioned. That momentum David rolled into Sunday where he qualified on pole again. Yeah, we saw on Saturday he was the quickest driver in qualifying, did the same thing on Sunday as well, actually pulled off early and sat there yeah. waiting to see if anybody was able to clock in a, clock, a, a faster time. So that's one thing I think with these tires, the drivers are kind of going to have to going to start to realize is that uh, they're good for a couple laps and then they'll start to fall off just enough. So 
they they're 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 kind of again that that medium compound they're not the harder tire to where you think you can get a couple more laps in them and 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 be able to pull off a quick lap so you know, you look at qualifying he put his best lap on lap number three there were a couple drivers that did good on six seven five but uh, weren't able to really do a, a lap time that uh, Persing was, which was a, a 51.929. So the only driver dipping into the 51s. Uh, and then uh, pre-final, he was able to, again, lead the lead the group, uh, kind of keep himself out of trouble this time. No uh, no contact. It was some good racing, though, uh, in, in the pre-final with, uh, with some drivers going back and forth, uh, some penalties that kind of shuffled up the order to, to start the main event. But once the main event got underway, Persing was up front and was later joined by Chris Martin, who started back in the seventh position. Martin fought his way, knifed his way up towards the front, got to Persing's bumper, and essentially was a, was a tandem. It was like watching the Talladega race or a Daytona race where the two were just in a draft <laughs> pack nonstop and got away from the rest of the group. And as the rest of the group were fighting, because again, working together it seemed to be the best option. Uh, in this direction. So uh, the two were able to get away from each other. Persing led the first 19 laps, and then it was the last lap battle that we we were expected to see, but nothing so, really so, happened. Oh, let's let's throw this out there. That's the one thing I want to I want to jump in there. Now, okay, let's let's mention, let's give uh, uh, Martin like the props. Obviously, Cardi Collective on the Sodi car chassis, on the Vortex engine as well. So you got the Vortex versus IME kind of battle back and forth. You mentioned for 19 laps, Literally, Chris Martin, we've seen guys battle back. He was super patient the entire time, wasn't he? Had a look a couple of times, thought about it a couple of times. But he really, he was he was the one that made a two-driver, they could have battled early. He was the one that made the two-driver battle happen. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, if you... You know, we I, I call it the Dylan Tavella because he always found a driver to push him, push themselves away from the rest of the group because he knew he was going to beat him on the last lap. And that's yeah. what he would See, do. I, I go back to uh, to what do you call on that one? Uh, Sage Karam, because I go a little right. farther back than you even. Right. So same thing. Tavella, Karam, uh, no need to scrap all race long. You just got to scrap the last couple laps. That's it. I love it. Yeah. So they were able to uh, to to get away from the rest of the field. Last lap, bumper uh, Martin still on the bumper of Persing and waited essentially till the last corner, uh, where Persing ran a defensive line into the corner, pushed but not, out wide. But not, not too defensive. He no, not too all. defensive, but enough to impressive. where, yeah, yeah, enough to where if you made a move on the inside there, you were going to be really in the dirt or even in the poop that was on the inside there. <laughs> <laughs> we should have put. We should have put that in the paddock pass. That would we should have. Fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know about it until I went on the track Saturday. So anyway, come back. Um, <laughs> so so he again. You ride that. You run that narrow lane, line into the final corner. You're going to push out wide because it's a it's a down and up corner. Uh, you hit the you hit the down part. It kind of pushes you out wide. We saw it in a number of different categories, and even in this one. Pushed him out just wide enough to where Martin was able to pull the over under, get to the kink leading to the start finish line uh, first, and it was a drag race to the line. It was probably the closest finish we've ever had in the Challenge of the Americas history. A one thousandth difference between yeah. Martin and Persing with Martin taking the victory. Point zero zero one. One one thousandth of a second in the, at the line. You and I both saw video. We both saw camera shots of it. And indeed, he just nipped him at the line. What a great run for, for Martin. And it, it was, like I said, it was a well-timed over-under. You already detailed how the way the track kind of, you kind of compress through and and, and you, you can carry a lot of speed out. And it was just enough that 
you know, Martin was able to do an ideal over under to just to conserve enough momentum and get enough corner speed to roll through side by side across the line. One one thousandth of a second. Persing ends up finishing second. Um, another good run for Dylan Archer ends up third. Archer ends up uh, P3. Uh, Kane Martin was fourth and Josh Campbell, David rounding out the top five. Yeah, Archer was kind of just right there. If anything would have happened between those two, Archer yeah. could have had that because he was he was got away from the the racing behind him and was running down the top two just little by little. So anything could have happened earlier in the last lap. He might have been able to be there for to make it a three driver battle. So well, and he uh, got he got closer because over that final lap, Persing was running a bit of a defensive line, right? He was a little correct. more tight yeah. into turn five, a little tight, or rather turn eight. As I keep going, I keep doing the wrong direction. Turn eight, the big left hander. <laughs> turn nine, he was running a bit like it was just it was sketchy. He was getting right there. He was so close to the line as yeah. well. Yeah. So you got uh, Kane Martin with two top fives. You have Campbell with two top fives. Dylan Archer with two top fives. So uh, this is going to be a pretty good uh, championship battle in this category. Yeah, and Persing second and seventh, right? Mm-hmm. With with pre with with two qualifying bonuses and one pre final bonus. Mm-hmm. So Persing Persing's in the hunt too. So this is the the championship battle is going to be fantastic in this category. All right, another break, folks. When we get back, we'll dive back into this race report brought to you by Factory Carts, and we'll talk about 100cc Junior and 60cc Cadet. In karting, it's important to be supported by the right people. With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Karting Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive and drive programs at many of karting's biggest East Coast events full product sales and service, and professional coaching from our experienced staff. Trinity Karting Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private one-on-one coaching to take you to the next level. From arrive and drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Karting Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Karting Group is an official Kart Republic race team, providing full trackside support at all the major USA karting events, including the Scusa Pro Tour, United States Pro Kart Series, Scusa Super Nationals 25, and other events throughout the 2022 season. TKG has in stock Kart Republic, IAMI, MG Novinko tires, and more products for those in Ohio and the Midwest region. Trinity Karting Group has a long history of the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. Are you ready to go from carts to cars? Since 1975, the Skip Barber Racing School has taken great drivers and made them champions. Today, we're proud to welcome the next generation of winners. Make the transition from carts to cars with the Skip Barber Formula Race Series. You'll compete at the most iconic tracks in America. Race weekends include your very own equalized Formula 4 race car, a professional crew, expert instruction, video and data analysis, hospitality, and more. This is the place to fulfill your dream of becoming a champion. Sign up today by calling 866-932-1949 or visit us at skipbarber.com. Welcome back to our debrief race report podcast. We're talking about the opening two rounds of this year's challenge of the Americas. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. We'll 
in the middle of the race report here brought to you by factory carts david let's uh, jump into 100 cc junior as i mentioned before the break talking about 100 cc senior this was there was a, a lot of penalties rolling down because these guys the kids had their elbows up like crazy 100 cc junior presented uh that's not the right sponsor david that's all right <laughs> um yeah yep, that's <laughs> presented okay. presented by nash motorsports there you go uh the headline <laughs> first victories for sarfati and yabara yeah, had the wrong one in there. That's all right. <laughs> you you talk about rough and elbows up. It was even in qualifying. David Yabara was the top qualifier on Saturday's round one action and actually came in on the loser cruiser uh, after contact during the session. So put fast time down and then got involved in contact, came in with essentially a broken front end and uh, a flat tire. And so uh, a kind of a, a crazy way to start the day for him. So they had to go back and put some repairs in. So maybe the cart wasn't quite there for the pre-final because he kind of got shuffled back as the race went on because uh, the pre-final was hot and heavy. That There's no doubt about it. There was a number of drivers who ended up with penalties. I believe it was Peyton Westcott who came across the line in the number one spot, but she was penalized along with a number of other drivers. So this essentially gave, um, um, forgot the first name. Sorry, oh, Archer, 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 Ever, yep. Archer Eversman, uh, the win in the pre-final, putting him on the pole position for the final. And again, lots of action in the main event. Uh, probably, what, 10? You, I think it might have been down to maybe five drivers at one time in the lead group. And then towards the end of the race, essentially became 10 to 12 drivers yeah. as well. So uh, a lot of racing going on. There really wasn't any driver who kind of, was the driver to beat because everybody was in tow. Um, Westcott, she led early uh, and then Serfati essentially took over uh, leading the way, but there was a lot of shuffling going on behind him, trying to figure out who was going to be the top driver to challenge uh, in, in, in the race. Uh, that was the wrong uh, lap chart. I got, hold on just a second. Sorry. Just trying to pull up results. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was a lot of shuffling there. Actually, there wasn't really anybody who led, uh, more than three laps at a time. So that that was kind of the crazy part about this race. And again, as we said, there were about five drivers who got out front. And then later in the race, it became about 10 drivers. And so on the last lap, uh, let's see, who was, I, I'm trying to recall this I'm race. I'm pretty sure Yabara Yabar was, no, uh, I think Sarfati Sir, was, was leading the last yes. lap. Yeah, and he led coming into, there was a pass in turn 12, I believe, that, yeah. uh, that, that Johnny Stance was able to take the position away from him. Oh, pardon me, David Yabara took the position yes. away. So, yeah. yeah, so Serfati, who actually started back in the 12th position uh, or fell to the 12th position at the start of the race, uh, worked his way forward, essentially got into the lead, was leading um, at the uh, – see, I'm, I'm confused. My, my lap chart's wrong. Sorry. Well, I, I, so so Serfati so, yeah, so led it, it, the start of the last lap, right? It looks like he had – I can't – I can't remember if, it was a, if he passed him in turn number eight or turn 12. Top of my head. Regardless, listen, regardless of what happened, Yabara ends up making the move. He gets by, scores the victory. Uh, and I want to say it was it was, uh, it was turn 12, the final corner. He was able to get by him. Yeah, it was, a, it was a final corner. Because yep. they tried to do kind of you know, the over-under thing coming across the line. Yeah. But the bottom line was that there was so much action earlier, earlier on. And I kind of had this in the back of my head because I saw Yabara had got wide coming out of turn 12. We've already talked about one time. There was a lot of times where guys would make moves to the inside and he literally drove, I can't remember who he was, but he drove whoever it was all the way off the outside of the racetrack in turn number five, just to go carry the speed coming out of the corner. 
And we had guys it four wheels in the dirt on the outside of the final corner. And I would, what did not surprise me that Yabar ended up getting a penalty. So he gets the penalty. So that drops him down to fourth and moves Sarfati to the race win anyway. Yeah, it was 17,000 at the line with Yabara at the line first go. because yeah. it was a drag race to the line. So I got now I'm I, I'm trying because Saturday and Sunday were so close. I, I'm trying to remember how it all was. Well, yeah, and you remember Sarfati was trying to come back up the inside because Yabara did the big wide run, having made the pass to the inside, but wide on the exit. And yeah, and Sarfati was side by side coming across the line, but just not enough. Yeah, but Still. after penalties, Safari, Safari, uh, yeah. Sarfati. He was able to pick up the victory, his first in the junior category. Uh, Zoquan Holbrook had a great run up into the second spot, so a first podium finish for him along with Johnny Stamps in the third spot in the GFC. And as you said, Yabara moved down to fourth in the the final results with Archer Eversman in the fifth spot on the Pantano. Yeah, there was, again, there was a ton of penalties going on there. Uh, Johnny Stamps wasn't even around. He wasn't even at the track. Right for the podium presentation because he had no no idea that he was going to be moved up to third. So Johnny Stamps did a good job on the weekend. Yeah, but if you finish in the top five, let's be real. Hang around. Stay That's around right. for the Hang podiums, around. please. 100 percent. Uh, so a couple other drivers putting themselves into the fight that weren't in the discussion we just talked about on Sunday. One of them being Alexander Gonzalez. He ends up qualifying on the pole position. And Nick Eggleston stepped things up, but he put it back uh, in the middle of the front. He was he led a lot of the main event. Yeah, Gonzalez was one of those drivers that was kind of in the mix on Saturday, but we never really saw him anywhere inside the top five, but was able to make up the uh, the ground on Sunday. So put it on the pole position uh, in qualifying. Unfortunately, in the pre-final, just before the halfway mark, we had a vicious wreck involving yeah. Gonzalez, uh, made a late, late deep move into the, la- into the last corner, uh, made contact, flipped over. Uh, we thought it was just going to be like the wind knocked out of him because he did get up and, and walk away, but then sat down on the ground. Um, so he was checked out. We had to bring out a red flag for him, along with Matthew Cagle, who was involved as well. Uh, Cagle suffered a uh, contusion on his leg that needed stitches. So that was a, uh, a the reason for his transport. While Ramirez was checked or Gonzalez was checked out for uh, rib cage and back pain eventually. Uh, no major injuries for him. So uh, yeah, that's he flipped. He flipped big time and immediately jumped up on the outside of twelve and ran. You know, to get out of the way. So he ran a good, you know, twenty yards and then immediately went down. Obviously, you know, that got the adrenaline going on. And then, uh, but good, like you said, good to see that you know they were checked out and, and essentially okay after again the laceration with Kegels as well. So. Yeah, so the race got restarted, and uh, Eggleston was the the winner on the racetrack, but was given a penalty. So that moved. Oh no, no, no! He was given four penalties. Yes, <laughs> Come so, back and look at it. it's hilarious. Well, it's, it only dropped him down to the fifth spot. So I'm not sure, you know, if if maybe some of the other penalties might have been I think uh, so. overturned. But uh, in 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 the in the pre final results, we have him in fifth. So okay. uh, essentially losing five spots on, on the on right the now. on the final results. But also other penalties were handed out as well too. That's so what I said. There was, there was there was lots of penalties. As you lots said. of penalties again in this pre main. So Eversman yeah. another uh, pre final win due to penalties. So keeping your nose clean certainly pays off for for Archer Eversman. That's it. Uh, the main event uh, again, kind of very similar to what we saw. A big, large group t- towards the end of the race. Uh, and again, Yabara was just quick, just uh, came up through him for, from 13th in the field, made his way forward, uh, didn't lead a lap until 
uh, he was uh, uh, towards until getting up towards the front was trailing. I'm, I'm trying to remember this now because I don't I, I can't remember all the it was Eggleston. And who's the other one that was there? I can't even remember either. For some reason, I'm blanking on this for some reason. Holbrook. Uh, okay, so... Oh, one. yeah. Yeah, so it was uh, Eggleston, Holbrook, and Yabara that were running one, two, and three. I think there was a little bit of, of argy-bargy stuff at the end of the straightaway there. I think that put Yabara into the second spot uh, as they came around, and then Eggleston was still leading. They came through <laughs> the last corner. Again, Eggleston, I think, just drifted wide enough to where... Yabar was able to pull the over under again, and this time was able to win the drag race once again, but this time no penalties and was able to re, uh, maintain the victory, his first challenge victory. It was 45 thousandths of a second at the line. Yeah, Yabara, the Precision Works CRG driver getting the win. Eggleston, as we said, was really in the fight. He was very strong, could have almost lead at will at one point uh, in the uh, the Ruthless Carnegie Spree. He ends up finishing second. Nico Sarfati able to back it up with a third uh, on Sunday. Archer Eversman, David mentioned, very strong weekend for him as well. And Peyton Westcott was able to come back at it. She was right in the middle of the fight there uh, throughout the entire race. All in all, this was it was it was pretty aggressive. Maybe it was the track itself. I don't know what it was, but uh, even uh, talking to the race directors, they were kind of surprised, which uh, with how much was going on, David, during uh, during those uh, those junior races for sure. Uh, yeah, first race of the year, I yeah, think I you so. know maybe a little bit of that. Everybody's amped up for it, uh, but yeah, they just maybe maybe a lot of the drivers are not used to being up front as well too. So trying New to names. learn how to keep keep yeah. your nose clean while you're up front, you know, because a lot of these racers were maybe mid pack racers last year. Um, you know, Westcott was actually leading at one point, then she got shuffled back. Holbrook actually crossed the line in the third position, but suffered a penalty. So that took him off the podium. Um, so yeah, again, just, I think just a lot of, again, learning driver development drivers, you know, figuring out how to race up front, not smash everybody to get your way to the front. Um, that's something that, uh, they'll have to be learning. All right, let's move to 60cc cadet presented by the carding collective. Here's your headline. Wagner begins title defense with two wins. Yeah, the defending champion, uh, Braden Wagner, coming in uh, looking to uh, to do a repeat in the championship, and it didn't look that way. Uh, certainly struggled in qualifying. Drew Jensen was the quickest driver uh, on Saturday's qualifying session. Wagner, however, was quick, and when it came to race pace, uh, I think he qualified seventh on Saturday, made his way up towards the front in the winning in the prefinal. Uh, in the main event, Wagner was uh, led all but one lap, was uh, pretty much the driver to beat in that race. Uh, Drew Jensen was right there, um, just wasn't able to, uh, to to keep Wagner out of the first spot. And uh, Wagner was able to drive away to a half-second victory with uh, Aiden Go, an impressive runner-up performance uh, ahead of Drew Jensen. Yeah, indeed. Aiden Go looked very good all weekend long. Drew Jensen was super fast, as we talked about, qualifying on the pole. Um, and then of course, Nathan Ramirez was right in there. And then that was, he was kind of, Nathan was still part of like a front running four drivers at, at one point. Connor Lipka was kind of by himself, uh, all, all alone in fifth place, but still bringing off a top five mentioning Ramirez because David, he came back out of the gate, was able to put the car on the pole on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Great, uh, qualifying session for him, putting in a 56.734 to edge out uh, Lucas Tarango by 35 thousandths of a second in the qualifying session. Unfortunately, in the pre-final, 
Uh, Ramirez was a disqualification for a clutch issue after he finished in the third spot as Wagner and Jensen went one, two in that race. Uh, so Ramirez had to start 13th in the main event, uh, up front. It was just Wagner and Jensen. They were able to, uh, to lead the way, get away from the rest of the group. Jensen essentially led the majority of the race was leading coming to the white flag, but a small little mistake on the exit of the last corner cost him his momentum. He had to get out of the gas. Uh, this allowed Wagner to slide through in the inside and drive away uh, unchallenged on the last lap to a 1.4 margin of victory for a second win on the weekend. Yeah, it's like Drew just got a little too hot into the corner, right? And the car mm-hmm. kind of pushed up on him. Wait, like he was way wide, even at kind of the apex, and it pushed way wide. Had to really get out of it, like David had said, and that allowed uh, Wagner to tucked down the inside they were suddenly again they were together and ended up being 1.4 seconds so make of that as you will that's how much of a gap it was as, as Jensen had to get off the throttle like you said Aiden Go came from deep in the field David to come back I want to say he was last in the pre-final or something like that he gets himself back up to third good run for him same with Ramirez and Lucas Tarango you had mentioned that he was good in qualifying ends up coming home with the top five so all in all again great to see 13 of the kids in the 60cc cadet category yeah, it was Ramirez that, like, like I said, got disqualified in the prefinal. Had to start last yeah. and work his way up. Well done for him. All right, uh, another break, folks. When we get back, we'll jump back into it. 100cc Masters and Masters Shifter up next. In this day and age, if you need something for your karting program, it's just one mouse click away. One of the leading online stores in the sport of karting is tsracing.com. The Florida-based company has been serving the karting community for decades. TS Racing is one of the few kart shops with technical expertise in all divisions of karting. TS Racing's online superstore features a full range of the products you need to start karting today or to restock your garage or trailer for the racing season. TS Racing is also the official distributor for Vega Tires. For dirt, road racing, sprint, and the most popular four-cycle tire with Cup Karts North America, a wide range of Vega compounds and sizes are available for your karting needs. Head over to tsracing.com today or call 352-793-9600 to learn more about the Vega Tire brand or the many products that they have at TS Racing. It's a multi-time world champion and it's a Supercarts USA Super Nationals winner. It is Sodicart. And starting in 2023, the Sodi brand has found a new home here in the U.S. Sodi Racing USA is the new exclusive importer of the Sodi Kart chassis line under the karting distribution banner, led by industry veteran Terry Germanovich. The French manufacturer Sodi Kart is a leader within the karting industry, offering a wide range of products and services. The Sodi Racing chassis line offers product in classes from Mini to KZ, all based on years of development and championship seasons around the world. Sodi Racing USA has already begun establishing its dealer network, working with the Karting Collective on the West Coast, and recently signing PK Sport to serve as a dealer and the official race team on the East Coast. Visit Sodi-Racing-USA.com to learn more about the Sodi Kart chassis line, or call 954-634-5111 to become part of the Sodi Racing USA Network today. Sodi Kart, the world leader in the karting industry. 
Back at it for this edition of The Debrief is uh, myself, Rob Howden, and David Cole breaking down the action from the opening rounds of the Challenge of the Americas in Tucson, Arizona this past weekend. Into the race report, we'll cap it off with the final two categories. The race report brought to you by Factory Carts. 100cc Masters presented by Ruthless Carding. Here is the headline. Cook and Irving claim top of podium after penalties. Yeah, the joke is nearly every Masters 100cc driver got a penalty or a disqualification on the weekend. <laughs> uh, that was kind of the story of this category. Saturday, the story really was Greg Welch on the new uh, Pantano chassis. Came out, set fast time in qualifying, won the pre-final, and really kind of just um, uh, dominated, dominated the, the main yeah. event on, on Saturday. Um, I was looking to see what the advantage was. I think it was just over a second. Uh, he did get Casey Cook there, kind of putting in a little bit of a late charge to kind of close the gap. Uh, but Welch was able to uh, to defend or to keep the maintain the main the lead uh, for at the checkered flag. Unfortunately, uh, Welch was disqualified for improper cylinder. Uh, thus taking the victory away from him and then moving Casey Cook up to the top of the podium for a staff official to racer story. <laughs> That's it. Former flagman for the series, obviously, uh, ends up uh, coming in and, and winning that one after the penalty. Matt Ostagai, Matthew Ostagai, very quick, was uh, fast all weekend long. He ends up with uh, second after the change. And Paul Bonilla, uh, a driver we've seen in the challenge for many, many years, moves from fourth to third. Alexander Gutierrez and Travis Irving rounding out the top five. Irving was kind of back there, P6. It was kind of a six-driver battle up front with, of course, Welch, that second up front. Uh, we'll talk, I bring Irving up because they, he had some issues with the engine. It was good. It was bad. It was kind of fall on its face here and there. He ended up swapping engines, grabbing one of the, the, uh, kind of the spare engines that formula works to bolt on for Sunday. And that brought him back into the fight. But nonetheless, David, you talked about the DQ to Welch. He turns around, they get another motor put on for him for Sunday and essentially matched what he did on Saturday in terms of qualifying on the pole and winning the pre-final. It was actually the same bottom end. They just, uh, yeah, they put a cylinder. different cylinder on. Uh, because I, I believe what they said was, is they, they declared one IAMI and one vortex for him. So, uh, they wanted to keep with the vortex as long as they found a, a good cylinder work with. And they, and they certainly did that as he was able to qualify P one on Sunday and then come back and win the pre-final on Sunday. Um, in that pre-final Casey cook, I think was right there on his bumper the entire time, yeah. but he was disqualified for clutch, I think. clutch issue i believe yes yep. that that uh i'm confirming yes that was the issue for kc so uh unfortunate situation for him but also in the pre-final paul bonilla uh did not complete a lap pulled off as the as the field was taking the green flag for a mechanical issue so he started 11th kc cook started 12th and then wealth started on the on the front row you would thought, oh, it's going to be all just Greg Welch. Well, it wasn't that way because we had a pretty good race pack uh, up front because eventually Welch, Irving, and and uh, Matthew Ostagai, who made his way up there as well too, were joined by Paul Benia and Casey Cook eventually down the road. So four-driver lead pack with Casey Cook essentially trailing them um, as the race went on. Yeah, but but <laughs> Bonilla, obviously with tires, 14 laps mm -hmm. fresher. And he, when I talked to Paul at the end of Saturday, he was laughing. He's like, he goes, I, goes, I haven't driven since wherever, have, you know, three or four or five months or whatever it was. He goes, he goes, I'm so rusty. I'll put a great lap in. That'll be like a half a second off. And listen, he did. He put the fast lap in, I think, in, in the main event on Saturday, right? But just, just didn't have the consistency. Well, 
fresher tires, more seat time. He was he was a rocket, David, in, the, in that main event. Yeah, I'm checking to see on Saturday if he was. Uh, yeah, fast lap on there Saturday, fifty three point seven five eight. One thing different though, he was IAMI on Saturday and then switched to the Vortex on Sunday. So that again, strange situation. Everything's strange with Paul Bonilla, the dumpster <laughs> diver. So don't put anything out of that. But um, yeah, just uh, the fresher tires, I think, certainly helped him. He got up front. Irving kept the pressure on it. Welch just didn't seem like he had the pace uh, late in the race. Irving there was right there with the pressure, but not enough as Benia uh, was able to cross the line first. Unfortunately, a DQ for spark plug washer on his Vortex engine did not pass tech, uh, thus dropping him from the top of the podium and then moving Travis Irving up to the P1 position. Yeah, Irving gets the win. Uh, Welch, was, so we, who, as we said, was kind of right there in third, ends up in second spot. Matt Ostagai ends up in fourth. Casey Cook, who started last, fought his way back up to fifth on the racetrack, ends up with fourth after the DQ. And Ronnie Swain was kind of right there, fifth, sixth, kind of all weekend long, and put a great uh, effort in there to finish up in the sixth spot. Whoever I, I can't remember who was behind Ronnie, but they had a really good battle. They were kind of like nose to tail uh, the entire time. Uh, for Dame, uh, Damon Duckworth. There you go. Yeah, he and Duckworth were they were and they went back and forth. Damon had the spot. Ronnie took it back. They were really going out. I watched some of that during the race. Uh, let's move to Master Shifter right now because this was interesting because there was kind of a couple of different races going on, but in the end, it came down to a couple of guys going back and forth. Here is the Master Shifter uh, program presented by Ron White Racing. The headline: Hodgson and Grossenbacher split the weekend. Yeah, they were essentially the top two drivers uh, for much of the weekend, uh, except for at the end of the weekend, where I think we had about probably about four or five guys that were really uh, close together. Uh, On Saturday, Grossbacher was the quickest in qualifying uh, on the TV cart and then uh, was the winner in the prefinal. Unfortunately, he was uh, not scored for the final lap because his rear bumper was detached. So, this was a certainly a different. I didn't see it. I don't know if you called it uh, because I didn't know about it until uh, they they lined up for the final. Did you Did you see anything uh, in the prefinal about who, that on Saturday? I did not. Who was a Grossenbacher? Yeah. No, I did not see that. So that's why he started dead last. So they stopped scoring him after uh, lap thirteen. They didn't score him on the final lap, even though he took the checkered flag as the winner. He started last in the main event. Yeah. There's on no Saturday, on Saturday. Well, because he got together. He's the one that got together with Wang in turn one. Did he not? No, 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 no. I saw. I thought that's who, who got together. Who did Derek get together with in turn one then? Uh, I, that, I don't I would assume it was Kevin coming because they were right there. Oh, I didn't. He, think- he didn't. He didn't. He didn't make it through the double lefts. So, yeah, Ken, Kevin Canning. Sorry. I thought Kevin Canning got together with. Uh, um, Oh my goodness! Now you got me all sideways. Oh, I so this this is something I I didn't really look into. I thought you knew about it. I okay. So yeah, so so Grossenbacher was the winner on track, but he was not scored the final lap because his rear bumper was detached, which I I don't I don't understand the ruling because that essentially decided the, the the main event because Cody Hodgson was on the front row as we as you just said there was contact in the opening corner. Derek Wang was among among them. And then in the double lefts, more contact. So that essentially gave Hodgson a really about a two-second advantage after the opening lap uh, with Grossenbacher starting on the tail of the field. It could have been Grossenbacher who was there because he might have got a good hole shot from the 12th spot uh, and got into maybe the 
towards the middle of the field. I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, Grossenbacher got a, a, a bumper penalty for, uh, okay. uh, and I was don't not remember. scored that last lap. So. I'm trying to find the results for are the Saturday results, not on race hero right now. No, they're not. They're only on, uh, yeah. Cause it crashed. Remember? Yeah. 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 I just, I thought it would still be up there. That's okay. So all I remember calling, calling contact between Derek Wang and whoever it was in turn number one, cause Derek tried to make a move to the inside. There was side-by-side contact. Maybe it was a, the two of those drivers. All I know that is that was that, uh, that, uh, Hodgson was able to get the, get, able to take off, right? He was, he got yeah, the with the contact in turn one and then more contact in the double lefts. Yeah. Right. It was essentially that decided the race as Cody Hodgson, uh, went unchallenged for all 20 laps, but, uh, but yeah, Grossenbacher started last on the, on the field. Well, the, how can we, I'm looking at the lap chart right now for the, oh, that's the pre-main. You sent me the pre-main. I was I was just showing you that he he wasn't scored that last lap. Yeah, I thought, this is weird. That's that, that really surprised me. But maybe this, that's just obviously. Let me have a look here right now. Love the lap chart. Who was it then that got together with them? It might it must have been Kevin Canyon. That cost that that caught me off guard because I thought hard, I thought Can, uh, that Canyon got together with Marcin uh, Marcin Cloda. That's what I had thought that happened there. And that, that it's, well, Can, right. Canning Canning went retired in the double lefts. That's yeah. where he retired. Wang was retired in turn one. Yeah, and Canning went off, and in, because in, he, I think there was contact turn- with his front end, and it wouldn't turn, so he just went straight. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> Listen. So, so yeah, make sure your bumpers on because that that could cost <laughs> that, you a pre-final win. Let's go back to that. Yeah, yeah. So indeed, in the in the end, uh, like I said, the whole shot for Cody Hodgson, right on Saturday, he's able to walk away. And did a great job on Saturday. It ends up winning by a second. Grossenbacher, as you said, was able to get back forward. And I'll say this. I know because I think there was something on Facebook where he was talking about it. Joey Guillaume was kind of downplaying how fast he'd be, right? If he was, if he had enough pace to be up there. He was fast all weekend long, Joey was. Yeah, a lot, a lot more uh, impressive this year than he did last year. Because last year, I think, uh, you know, he, he went in not really prepared. And I think, you know, having a year ahead uh, – behind him yeah uh he was a little more prepared and was able to do um uh, uh improve his pace and certainly showed that on the weekend um you know was able to, to drive to a podium finishing finish behind the top two and got even quicker on sunday as well too when everybody yep. else was quicker all right so <clears throat> let's wrap this one up for saturday hodgson with the win grossenbacher second guillaume third douglas brandt ends up in fourth of the factory cart and michael faker on the uh burrell art ended up in the uh the third spot I mean, the, the fifth spot. Uh, in the end, on Sunday, obviously with the issues behind him from Saturday, uh, Bud Grossenbacher really had things handled the entire day. Well, he did, partly because of an engine change, too. He did. Let's talk <laughs> about that. talk about that. Let's talk about that. He was rock, he was rock on Saturday. Along with Cody Hodgson, who oh, was the, the only, the I think they were the only two drivers. I got to look at my, my oh, note I, again. I got too I got many you. notes around here. Um, right here. So he and yeah, him, he and Bud were the only two other oh, one other one other driver on the vortex or oh, two other drivers. But uh, um, they were they were on the vortex engine uh, up front throughout the weekend. Do I got you? Yeah, I'm right here. OK, sorry. My computer glitched. No, I'm, I'm just I'm looking at the numbers. Like you said, the guy, the guys that were on, on the rock, there was a, there was a couple of drivers that were on the rock. Kevin Canning. No, not Kevin. Uh, Hodgson, as we know, was on the rock. Uh, Bub was on the rock. Who else? The 581 had the rock. That's Grossenbacher. The 557 as well, which was Dean, Dean Gilmore. Gilmore. He was yeah. on because he remember he ran last year as well. And the 595 
uh, of Walker Lytle. They were also on the rock power. Yeah. yeah. So um, as you kept saying over the PA, um, I, cause I didn't talk to him. You did uh, the Grossenbacher family. They just didn't want to put the vortex engine back together. That's what I was told. Like, so, yeah. So that was a unique thing. So they strapped on the KZ engine for, for Sunday's action. And Grossenbacher was just dominant on the day, uh, had the chassis working, had engine working, had all of it uh, running, running tip top shape and was able to drive away to a 4.4 second margin of victory uh, in the main event. Well, and Kevin Canning, like you said, he was out, in the, out early in the, in the Saturday main event. He was right in the middle of a fight with Cody Hodgson and really Hodgson was close. Uh, but Kevin was just really consistent throughout the entire race and held that spot to come home second. So kudos to him, both he and uh, Joey Guion on the Ventesimo chassis. So Canning comes back after the DNF on Saturday. He gets second. Hodgson ends up in third uh, for another podium finish for him on the Illuminos um, and another driver run on the rock, as we talked about. Uh, Joey Guion fourth. So a third and a fourth for Joey Guion in the opening weekend. And Michael Faker ended up in, uh, you know, coming out of a pretty good battle uh, at the end to, to come home P5. He was in the middle of a fight to the end. All told, uh, it was a pretty solid little Masters race on Sunday. Yeah, and Guion was putting the pressure on Hodgson there at the end, so that essentially gave Cannon Canning yeah. the the second spot as Hodgson had to put his focus on not allowing Guion by. So uh, that uh, yeah, again, impressive weekend for Guion to be able to uh, improve from last year, and again, challenge Saturday winner on Sunday. That's it. So uh, here we go, folks. One more break. This is it. When we come back. We'll wrap things up. We'll have a look at the constructors championship, and we'll look at the Ecan Trackside Live Race calendar. There's a new hot button name in American safety equipment, Stilo USA. Every product with Stilo is focused on safety, comfort, and function. Stilo USA is happy to provide you with the proper safety apparel to keep you protected on the track, and their karting lineup is second to none. The ST5 KRT karting helmet is available for $599. Manufactured using a lightweight and extremely strong composite material, the KRT provides an excellent fit and comfort level due to its dual-density interior foam lining, and it's equipped with a symmetrical visor that offers excellent vision and an effortless central visor locking system. The ST5 CMR standard was developed jointly by the FIA Institute and Snell Memorial Foundation to ensure safer and lighter weight helmets for the younger carters. Drivers rave about the superior comfort levels, lightweight construction, and the unparalleled field of vision. The perfect youth helmet is available for $549. Stilo didn't stop with their helmets either. The newly developed Carbon Curva Rib Protector is unlike any on the market with its form-fitting solution to offer superior protection. Head to StiloHelmets.com to review these and many more products to keep you safe on the track. Stilo. Any competition, one helmet. Motor mounts. They keep your engine attached to your chassis, right? The answer is, they're much more important than that. Your motor mount is critical in transferring 100% of the power from your engine through to your tires and the racetrack. You need this to get on the podium each and every time you race. Odenthal Racing Products is here for you providing the best motor mounts on the karting market today. All designed to make sure you're using all the horsepower you pay for. Odenthal Racing Products is a family owned and operated business with decades of karting experience in providing products with unmatched quality and value for our racing community. The Pro Series mount for two cycle engines 
which is available in zero, five, and eight degree inclinations, provides a rigid structure to help keep vibration to a minimum without adding too much weight to your setup. The four cycle easy set system is one of the most popular mounts for the Briggs & Stratton 206 power plant. Multiple mounting holes provide the most adjustability depending on your chassis and seat placement. To ensure a tight fit to your chassis, our ORP wedge clamps get the job done. And they feature a number of design updates to provide a lower profile and lighter weight. The clamps are available from 28 mil to 32 mil in both standard and Euro style sizes. And now, Oluguthal has also revolutionized the karting industry with its new EasyGP camera mounting system. Designed to mount anywhere on your chassis with one or two cameras, the ORP EZGP camera mount is your solution to capture that onboard winning moment. Head to OdenthalRacing.com and find a dealer near you. Odenthal Racing Products, proudly made in the USA. All right, time to wrap things up for this edition of the EKN Debrief, episode number 24. We're wrapping things up from our coverage of the Challenge of the Americas opening round, T1 in Tucson, Arizona. We're back, of course, for T2 uh, in March, first weekend of March. Let's wrap things up, David. What are your thoughts on, on the event that we had at Tucson? Yeah, wild weather for sure, and just a unique feel uh, in Tucson going the opposite direction. Again, logistics are different. Um, the weather made things a little bit crazy on Friday and, and, and early Saturday. So, um, it was different, but you know, again, um, it was a challenge weekend. It was our first West coast event of the season. Uh, so good to get that good, good food, of course, with, with the, uh, the Mexican restaurant and in and out burger and, you know, always that good stuff there. Yeah. The, the food trucks were good too, man. Lunches yeah. were fantastic. This yeah. weekend, I thought, um, all in all, just the one red flag. You always want to get through a weekend with a red flag, but David mentioned the incident we had in the 100cc junior category. Good to hear that both those drivers are okay. There was a couple other incidents, and we're hearing good things from the other incidents that happened on track. The drivers are okay, which is fantastic. Last but not least, David, just the bottom line is every time we go to the challenge, it's that same, you know, the same feeling of everybody's having a good time, the, fa the, the friendly family atmosphere. Just always great to be back at the challenge. Yeah, always is. And, and to kind of go along with the, the injury, you know, the one of the drivers who was injured on Saturday was the first entry for uh, the upcoming Tucson two weekend that'll be coming up in March. So uh, so right back on the horse, uh, that was uh, Savannah Callis, who yep. uh, was injured on Saturday, uh, wasn't able to race on Sunday due to a concussion, but uh, was uh, the first driver entered for the upcoming T2. Yeah, how great is that, right? <laughs> right back at it. I love it. All right, let's jump into the Constructors' Championship, David. Let's have a look uh, at the victories. Drivers who were able to come home with wins. Yeah, seven brands for 12 wins, so a good diverse field, uh, except for GFC picking up six of the 12 wins on the weekend. That's uh, a phenomenal uh, performance by a lot of the GFC drivers. We talked about it. Yeah, Irving picking up one, Wagner picking up two, Wick with one, um, Serfati with another uh, uh, solid, solid start to the year for GFC because they haven't been to a race yet this year. So great debut for them in 2024. You also have Sodi Cart, CRG, Tony Cart, Tau Cart, Illuminos, and TB Cart all picking up a victory. So again, very diverse uh, chassis. Uh, picking up victories. No doubt about it. Let's wrap things up on this edition of the Debrief with a look at our ECAN Trackside Live race calendar presented by Sony Racing USA.
Sodi Racing USA is the new exclusive importer of the Sodi Kart chassis line under the karting distribution banner. The French manufacturer Sodi Kart is a leader within the karting industry, offering a wide range of products and services. The Sodi Racing chassis line offers product in classes from mini karts to KZ, all based on years of development and championship seasons around the world. Visit Sodi-Racing-USA.com to learn more about the Sodi Kart chassis or call 954-634-5111 to become part of the Sodi Racing USA network today. Sodi Kart, the world leader in the karting industry. All right, David, we're like uh, right out of the frying pan into the fire because we got back from Tucson on Monday. We leave for Homestead, Florida, flying into Miami on Thursday for the final two rounds of the Supercarts USA Winter Series. Uh, I wasn't able to make the trek in January, but I'll join you there at AMR uh, Motorplex in Homestead, Florida. February 9th to the 11th, we'll cap off the Scusa Winter Series. Yeah, the final two rounds for the series, the first championship for Supercarts USA. Uh, oh, again, over 200 entries expected on the weekend. We're going to have a, a full outlap podcast. We'll record that uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. Get that up on the EKN Radio Network and a podcast just before the weekend starts and before we get trackside uh, on Friday morning. There it is. And then from there, uh, about three, I guess two and a half weeks, I guess, we head back to the Challenge of America. We've already talked about T2, our second trip to Tucson, March the 1st to the 3rd. If the racing we had this past week was any indication, looking forward to some more. I've already had some messages from a couple of drivers that weren't there this past weekend, but will be there for T2. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing some new new faces. But again, this year, as every year, start a new season. We saw, as you mentioned, David, in the 100cc category, there's drivers that, you know, were kind of, you know, outside the top five, outside the maybe even the top 10 last year. Their chance to move to the forefront. They now have their first junior race in the books. A guy like Keegan Kaminsky has his first senior race in the books. We're seeing new names come to the forefront. Yeah, new names to the forefront. A lot of competitive categories. Uh, all six very competitive. Uh, you know, I think Cadet. We could have had two different winners. Um, yeah. We just we didn't there as Wagner was able to pull through for two victories. So that's going to be the story going in. Who can beat Wagner? Uh, and, and, and who of the drivers that won this weekend can win again next because, uh, uh, Wagner's the only driver to have two victories thus far in all the six categories. Yeah. And a guy like Ryan Persing, who was so good both days came away with right. no victories. Watch for him to potentially get one. When we get yeah. back there in March, right? Yeah, that's going to be a good one. And then maybe, maybe we'll get more master shifters drivers in the field. So make it even more competitive there. Uh, and, and the hundred CC category for masters. We'll see if we can get more disqualifications in that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we're done. let's, sh let's shut this one down. Uh, again, as David said, we'll be back with the outlap podcast. We're going to record that tomorrow for this coming weekend, Supercarts USA winter series. From there, we'll look down to heading back to Tucson for another great event there. Again, this season is well underway into month number two of the 2024 schedule. Looking forward to getting down to Scusa. Again, this coming weekend, and of course, back with the Challenge family on March 1st to 3rd. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the broadcast. This podcast brought to you by Peril and USA. Always a big thank you to all those supporters of eCardingNews.com. You're the ones that make this happen. Thank you again so much for tuning in, folks. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.